This is Raising the Game, the podcast getting football mums united. I'm Melanie, your host. Firstly, I've got to apologise. Sorry it's taken so long to get the new episode out. My house has been struck by illness, first time ever, where all five of us are ill and it seems to be going in a cycle. We're playing ping pong in this house right about now. Anyway, I digress. Let me get back to why we're really here. Quick question. Tell me this. In your house, does a simple game of rock, paper, scissors turn into World War Three? A little 1v1 in the garden ending broken bones? Or is that last minute goal conceded the end? If the word lose is dirt in your house, then listen to this. Today's guest thrives on losing. I know, sounds odd, but in a loss, Matt Shaw sees a game and he shares that vision with top footballers and athletes. Listen out for his zoom out buzz phrase. And mums, check out ways we can help our kids learn how to learn from losing. My name is Matthew Shaw. I'm a chartered sport and exercise psychologist and I work for Inner Drive. We've worked with a variety of teams, for example, Crystal Palace. In football, we work right at the very top, kind of senior internationals, Champions League, and we work all the way down through the leagues as well. And then outside of football, we work with um, GB Olympians and Olympic medalists and just other professional athletes from a, from a variety of sports as well. Here's the question, Matt. Would you say it's a natural thing to hate losing? no matter what age you are. Yeah, I think no one likes to lose because either at a young age, children can be quite loss adverse. Um, sometimes our children are given labels about how talented they are and how natural that talent might be. So anything that doesn't kind of fit that narrative can be difficult to deal with. But generally speaking, it's either around kind of how they see themselves or challenges the way they see themselves. It might feel like it challenges how others perhaps see them, whether that be friends, loved ones, coaches, or perhaps it's, it's quite embarrassing. And, you know, we always talk about a bad loser, but hmm. is there such a thing as a good loser? I think so, yeah. And it's just really a mindset shift and also a shift as to what lens we're viewing losing through. Of course, no one likes to lose and no one's aim should ultimately be to go out there and have experiences of loss. No one really aims for that. But really, it's the follow-up behaviour after that as to, okay, if something does go wrong, what do we then do as a result of that? Do we start to try and learn lessons from it? Do we see it as an opportunity where we can learn, develop, grow, ask for feedback, for example, give good feedback if we're a parent or a coach? Um, and that would be people that are probably good at losing. Or do we see it as a stressful, embarrassing situation where perhaps we're going to look to shift the blame onto someone else and, and almost pretend it doesn't happen? That's what we wouldn't look for when people, people are losing. And interestingly, when I asked my boys, which footballers do they see are bad losers? Both of them said Ronaldo. But going back to what you say, doesn't losing badly, doesn't it give them a competitive edge or doesn't it push them a little further? Yes, it can give them that edge because you can tell he absolutely hates losing and he shouldn't like losing. That's not, I guess, what we're saying when we say, you know, people need to deal with losing well. But you know that after he loses in the coming days or coming weeks, the focus quickly turns, very quickly would turn to things like, okay, what would I do differently next time? What do we need to do? differently next time how do I get better how do I change that who can help me change that as well and as long as the conversation starts to move along those lines to 
how do I move this forward and what gets better? That's the critical part, I think, around learning and around getting better. One of the sayings that I would tend to say to a lot of my athletes, you know, is if in doubt, zoom out and start to view this as the broader picture of either your career, of the team's career, of the team's cycle, as it were, you know. So it's actually zooming out and thinking, okay, this is a step along the way. Yes, it hurts now, but how do we make sure that we don't repeat this poor performance in a year and a half, four years time? I like Quincy saying, so please keep them coming, Matt. That zoom out, would you say the same to a grassroots player, an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old? Absolutely, because particularly at that age, development can happen quite quickly at times. So yes, we've got to we've got to zoom out and think, what does this mean in the in the long term? Some some children will develop really quickly at that age. Some children will take a, a lot more time to develop at that age. And I think by seeing it as that bigger process and not getting caught up in the here and now all the time, yeah, of course it's important to stay in the now. I'd always say, you know, be where your feet are when you're playing. But actually, when we start to look at development as a whole, kind of zooming out and starting to see it as this long journey I think definitely helps that buy-in that emotional control as well towards what goes well what doesn't go so well and I think helps encourage that idea that you know learning isn't linear and neither is development there are ups and downs things do happen at different paces for different people um, sometimes uh, it hurts and sometimes it feels like we're not making progress and we keep losing along the way sometimes it feels like everything's good but often it's the balance of the two that really creates a really good footballer and we should watch out for how people frame those things how important are parents in helping a player deal with losing vitally important children are very receptive and will often when they do something good or do something bad the first place they look will probably be over to the sideline to see you know what do they think as uh, as to what i've done there um sometimes you hear parents that are really loud on the sideline and you hear things you think you know perhaps shouldn't be framing things in that way um so it's a massive massive effect and definitely one of the first things i'll do with my athletes is ask them you know who's in your team who's in your corner that's going to help you through tough times through good times keep you level whether it's good or bad and often the first people they say no matter what age is is parents and family friends and family that would that would keep them keep them very level and and particularly the older that our children get as well really adding people to that support network that can help for specific reasons is so important you know um so we know it's a massive part of the child's life so as the parents as the coach or as the adult in the room we should really be thinking about how do we act what is and isn't appropriate how do we best support their learning and development got you can you indulge me matt i've got a couple of quotes here from not parents but things that i imagine are said and if you could kind of be the antidote to it so (laughs) i'll say one thing and then you can give me what you think might be a better way of saying it first one uh you were just unlucky today son uh if they generally were unlucky i don't think there's anything wrong in saying you know you're unlucky perhaps saying this is why i think you're unlucky can help but again if that's the end of the conversation i think it kind of just sweeps it under the carpet a little bit adding on to that something like you know what do you think you could do differently next time would be really helpful because it pushes the conversation into the into the next time um saying something like i thought you unlucky what did you think about it moves away from you know you were unlucky and i'm telling you you're unlucky towards i value your opinion and what do you think you you would do about it going forward so just adding it to be a more open question i think could could, could be a nice addition to that okay uh you played well it's just your team let you down <laughs> um 
again, might might be the case. Um, and, and it's something I do actually hear a lot of it, you know, he or she was playing really well. They're probably too good for the level that they're at, stuff like that. Sometimes I think as long as it's not the, mo the most important thing is the things like that is it can't be false praise because children are receptive and will see through it. If that doesn't kind of marry up with what the coach is saying, what the feedback on the pitch looks like, then it can be pretty difficult because we do need to have conversations about getting better. So if it was, you know, you played well, the team let you down, then ask it. I don't see why there's anything wrong with asking questions like, how do you make sure you play that well again? And how do you help your teammates play better next time? What would you tell them to do to help them play better? Um, if you don't think they played well, why don't you think they played well? What did the coach say about it afterwards? So just engaging in other areas of conversation, I think is quite important there. Uh, what happened? You didn't even show up. Yeah, so I think phrases like you didn't show up at any level isn't isn't helpful. But I always say like you didn't look like you wanted it. What does that mean? To me, that doesn't mean anything. What does not showing up look like? What does not wanting it look like? If you think not showing up is not being intense, not getting stuck in perhaps, if it's not working hard, if it's not communicating with others, then say those things instead because those things can be changed. I'm all for being honest when it matters, but we have to be really, really clear. There shouldn't be any ambiguity, especially at a young age, as to what that means. Watch your words. What you say is really important and they will take it away with them. So if it's you didn't show up, what is it instead? Get into the specifics um, and make sure that that's similar to what the coach says as well. Because if the coach is saying, I thought you were brilliant and on the sideline you're saying you didn't show up, there's a difficult kind of gap there between the child thinking, okay, on one hand I'm getting this, on the other hand I'm getting this. Again, it doesn't mean anything going forward. What about, did you enjoy yourself out there? Yeah, I think brilliant question. And some people say, you know, it's not just about whether they had fun. I think at the grassroots, it is about whether they enjoy themselves. I think at any level, you listen to any player who's come off and played really, really well, the first thing they'll say is they enjoyed it or they were smiling whilst they were playing. They had fun out there. So I actually think that's a brilliant question because I think helps to kind of cement is the idea that winning or losing isn't the biggest thing to you. Um, whilst it's important, it might not be the biggest thing to you, but the fact that they're having fun is helpful. And if they're not having fun, you find out very quickly when you ask that question, why aren't you having fun? Do you want to play anymore? Do you like the team you're playing with? If they are having fun, why are you having fun? Oh, because I'm trying this and I'm trying that. And I love playing with this guy and I like playing with this person. Brilliant. So it gives you some really good feedback as well, but also helps the child understand that them having fun is at the forefront of, of your mind. And my last one is results don't matter. It's how you played. So we certainly don't want children just to think results are always the biggest thing, particularly at grassroots level. You know, children are there to play because they have fun and because they like playing football. Not always about results. Of course, results matter. So just saying, you know, results don't matter at some point does become quite difficult because whether it's at the academy level or transitioning to older age groups, um, of course, results start to matter. But I would always say the most important thing, and it's, and it's why you always hear things like, you know, trust the process, the process is important, is because it's the behaviours that they're exhibiting during that game that are important, not just the outcome. You know, one of, your, one of the first things you said is about luck. Yes, the result can go against you because you're unlucky, but what did you behave like? How did you play during the game? That's the really important thing. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to say, 
um, I've definitely heard it said a lot, but it's got to finish on some area of development around um, the result didn't go your way, you played well, I think you played well because you did these things, what do you think? And then I think you can have a good discussion around, well, as long as you're enjoying yourself and playing well, that's the most important thing. Yeah, um, it's interesting you say that because there was one match in particular where um, they were drawing and moments from full time, the opposition scores. And it was a mother, which I was quite surprised at. She was sitting down, she got up from the chair and she literally flung the chair across the grass in disgust that they'd conceded a goal in the last dying seconds of the match. And I, I just couldn't believe that a mother would take a loss so seriously and so kind of visually that uh, she would do that. Is is that something... Why are parents often the worst at kind of accepting a loss? Yeah, and I think, you know, of course parents are, out of anyone that's there, are the most, outside of the children, of course, probably the most emotionally invested in what's going on on that pitch, particularly if it's their child that even makes a mistake, does really well. So you can understand it from one side in, in terms of emotional investment. But I guess that doesn't mean that we could behave in that way because if they saw their child doing that, I'm assuming they wouldn't be very happy. And I guess what we really need to think about is, is there anything that a child can take from that behavior and go, I know what I should do differently next time, or I know what I need to change, I know how to get better. And if the answer is no, then that behavior is not helpful. But what we should be doing is thinking about, how do we actually make sure that we praise behaviors that we want to see again? Some of that is around some of the things that we might say. Some of that is around things or, or ways that we might act as well, our body language, not throwing chairs and things like that. So we need to keep a really close eye on what we're, what we're actually doing. But, important, but more importantly, if I was the child, what would I think if I saw that? Because nine times out of 10, when we see behavior like that, then they're probably not gonna wanna either get back out there again or not wanna take risks, which is that massive massive, massive part of learning um, and accepting failure that we were talking about earlier. And you mentioned it earlier about kids looking over, especially mm. when they're losing and they're looking over at their parents. What can parents do? Is it about having a conversation before the match or, you know, what can they do in those situations? Yeah, I think it's before, during and after, isn't it? I think during is definitely around good positive body language, um, reinforcing good behaviours, whether that's through clapping, cheering, thumbs up, that kind of thing. Smile goes a long way, particularly as the child looks over towards you. And then I think when we're having conversations, be that before or after, I think it's always about how we frame things. Listening to what children is saying and how they frame these things is so important. You know, how often do children kind of catastrophize? You know, like when they say every time, it's always when they refer to things being bad. Every time this happens, it's bad. I always lose to these people, for example. Whereas we know it's not every time, it's sometimes, uh, it's often, for example. And just thinking about how we frame these things is, is so, so important to their development. There's lots of ways that parents might think they're being helpful and, and aren't necessarily sure what they should say or they say things because they think it's good, but actually in reality it's probably not. So saying things like, you know, did you win, for example, afterwards, whilst that's kind of like that natural temptation to get straight to it, ask what happened and find out what happened, I think things like that even show to the child, you know, 
that is the thing that's most important to you is if they win or not not whether they have fun not whether they improved on the last time they played if they enjoyed themselves for example um so watching i guess watching our words i think did you win is probably the most common one we'd hear afterwards and i just explain why it's different perhaps we could say you know did you have fun did you enjoy yourself was it good was it bad um asking things like how did you play what did you learn you know what would you do differently next week did you try your hardest um three words i'm or, or or words along the lines of like being proud of someone i'm proud of you are really important um saying things like it doesn't matter if that happened it's not the worst so you know really thinking about what we're saying because all of the questions i asked there and i know it was a lot of questions but all of the questions i was asking there all prompt that further learning and further development and interaction with you know things did go bad well actually i can get better for next time prompts that learning mindset um you touched on like fear of failure have you got any wonderful uh matt buzz phrases for us on fit on kind of overcoming the fear of failure I think sometimes people are quite quick to go to, you know, you have a fear of failure, whereas actually they're just a bit nervous or just a bit worried. I think there's a few ways that perhaps you can start to reduce the fear of failure that might be helpful, particularly in grassroots, having kind of a no shame policy, if you like, where kids feel like, you know, they can be part of the group where failure isn't met by kind of ridicule or laughter or embarrassment, I think is really important. I think as parents, kind of not being an ostrich and kind of burying our head in the sand, if something is going wrong, we should have conversations about it, but it should always finish on a solution. So what do we do about it? So addressing the problem is really important. I've said about kind of like, you know, learning from mistakes and having that learning mindset is really important. If we think that our children do have a fear of failure or do kind of worry about failure, helping them to question that is important. You know, the worst case scenario very rarely happens, even though children tend to think it will do. So having conversations about, you know, the last time you felt like this, what happened? Nine times out of 10, the thing that happened wasn't that bad. So really helping students to question those fears, I think is really important. And actually sometimes embracing that idea that I don't know what's going to happen when I get out there, but what I do know is I'm going to try my hardest, I'm going to have fun, um, I'm going to work really hard. And if those things happen, then the result takes care of itself and doesn't matter. So I think there's some nice ways to try and start to reduce that fear of failure. Um, lots of people are scared of or have a fear of failure because they think it changes. Um, it means they either have an uncertain future, it can be quite embarrassing, um, it might change the way other people view them and indeed change the way they view themselves. And if we start to kind of attack each of those in part, the idea that if something goes wrong, I'm not bothered about it as the parents. Uh, if something goes wrong, no one else is gonna be bothered about it either, part of the group. Um, things happen, bad things happen, um, you know, bad things happen along the way is kind of that uncertain future. So it doesn't matter if you lose tomorrow, it doesn't necessarily affect what happens next week, particularly at a young age, then I think we can start to get to get to some of those underpinning factors. So working with these athletes or sports people, your first kind of process in that is looking at their attitude towards losing? 
Yeah, it's definitely one of the processes that, that we'd look at. We'd always look at it in two parts. One element of working with athletes is that performance under pressure bit, which clearly is kind of the performing when you need to. But the second element that I think is crucial is the all-round developing and learning. And that part of it is definitely around how they view failure, what happens when things don't quite go their way, who perhaps do they blame, what's their attribution towards that as well. And I've been asked before a couple of times, particularly about like elite performers, you know, is there one thing about them that's different to people that are kind of sub-elite or non-elite um, outside of obviously how good they are their ability and i always think it's how good a learner they are so some of the elite athletes that we as a company work with or that i've worked with in the past they're just brilliant learners and part of that is they always want to get better and improve so always asking for feedback always looking at ways to get better but probably the bigger percentage of that is they certainly don't catastrophize when things do go wrong. Yes, they don't want things to go wrong, but what they understand is that's always part of the process and always want to get better out of loss. So it's a massive, massive part of the process as opposed to what was the result? Because yes, of course, the result will sting and that is the outcome. Um, and we all have an outcome bias. We're all kind of, we all look towards the outcome. We use that to think about was it right? Was it wrong? But actually it's the behaviors along the way that we want to praise and model going forwards. That was Matt from Inner Drive, and that's it from Raising the Game. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get updates on when the next episode's coming, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And how could I forget? Here's wishing you a happy new year and a prosperous 2023 with loads of goals. See you next year. Thank you.